0: down through the centuries, we've called this many different things. Uh, Some people call it the Last Supper, but you know, that takes a bit of hindsight. Certainly the disciples who were part of that experience with Jesus wouldn't have known to call that then the Last Supper. For the disciples, it was another Passover a celebration of when God spared the firstborn Hebrew children because of the sacrifice of a lamb whose blood was splattered on the doorposts. And when the angel of death came centuries before, that angel went by the Hebrew houses. And so every single year after that, the Hebrews celebrated that Passover together. So this was Passover time. So for us, we look back at it and call it the Last Supper. For the disciples, it was the Passover. But I want you to think of something that has just rocked my world this week. For Jesus, it was First Communion. Wouldn't have thought of that. But it was first communion for Jesus. You know, in some areas, some churches, some traditions, when a child has prepared and is mature enough to take the communion for the very first time, we call that first communion. And oftentimes the the family will celebrate that. But how many of us have ever thought about the fact that Jesus also had a first communion? We think of it as the Last Supper, but for him, it was the first time. And that has some significance, as we'll see here in a moment. As we prepare our hearts today to celebrate this communion feast together, I want to just share five communion ingredients with you that I think will help you point in the right direction as far as your thoughts. And again, we're going to be taking a look at our passage from Luke. Right now, we're in Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20, if you want to follow along in your own Bibles. So First Communion ingredient from Luke chapter 22, verses 14 and 15, we see is that communion is filled with fellowship. I'm so glad that you're all here and that together we have fellowship together. But there was fellowship at that Last Supper, First Communion, Passover event that we read about in Luke. Let's just read those two verses. When the hour came, this is Luke twenty-two, fourteen. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, "I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer." A couple of words I want to just lift out of there to help you prepare for this communion together. The first is is that they reclined at the table. Um, a little bit of a different tradition for them than for us, but certainly I get the idea that they were relaxed that they were comfortable in each other's uh, presence. You know, back then, the tables were very low. It wasn't like a table like we would have, and there would be chairs and your feet would go under the table. The, the tables were very low, and literally they would get down on the floor like on their hip, and, you know, uh, those feet had been walking the dusty roads. That's why they always washed their feet before they came to communion, but still, there were feet right and so the feet would kind of go back away from the table away from where they would be eating and they would all be kind of leaning in towards one another and that was something you would only do with people that you were real comfortable with when we come to church and we celebrate communion we should be comfortable in one another's company and with Jesus you know he shattered the chaos from the lives that we have outside. I want you to think that in Jesus' mind, there was chaos going on in that world outside. There was chaos that was about to invade his life, and yet he was able to come to this first communion experience and recline, relax, enjoy one another's company, fellowship. In fact, it's hard for me to grasp this, maybe hard for you to grasp this, but Luke tells us that Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired, I have eagerly desired. In other words, he's anticipating, he's looking forward to this. Do we realize how much Jesus himself looked forward to this time? Imagine that. Even though the crucifixion is right around the corner, all manner of grief and torture is just right in front of him and he knows about it. We know he knows about it, right? Because what does he say here? I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you, what? Before I suffer. We don't have to guess about the deity of Christ here. He says it. He knows what's about to happen, and yet he eagerly desires. So my question for us this morning as we anticipate this communion together is, do we have that same eager desire to share communion with one another? You know, that eagerness describes the early Christians, in the book of Acts where we read about how they got together for communion, we read about them being glad and sincere. In Acts 2, 46 and 47, it says that they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. It was just a a normal thing for Christians when they got together to break bread together and to take communion together. And that's why, although not every Protestant church does this, we do this on a weekly basis because we look forward to it. We look forward to this togetherness. Because it also describes us, doesn't it? This, this concept of one of unity, one of oneness, one of togetherness, no matter how different we are from one another, no matter the difficulties maybe that we've had getting along with one another, Uh, Paul, he writes to the Corinthians about this Last Supper meal in chapter 10, verse 17. Because there is one loaf, talking about a loaf of bread, we, who are many, are one body. Just like there's one loaf and we break it up into pieces, we are one body, for we all share that same loaf. We're all very different, but we come together as one body. So when we do this, we see fellowship, The second key ingredient that we see is one of thanksgiving. And isn't that appropriate for us as we enter into this particular week? Notice what Jesus says not once but twice in verses 17 and 19. After taking the cup, again back in Luke 22, after taking the cup, he gave thanks. And then he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them. Again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but just consider the difficulty that Jesus was facing within hours, and yet we are told that he gave thanks multiple times. So I know that we here in this body, whether we're here in physical presence or we're watching online because we cannot be here, we all have difficulties that we are facing But this week especially, can we be thankful despite what those difficulties are? Because no matter what it is that we face, as a Christian, we have Jesus' blood to be thankful for. This is one reason why we take communion. We read in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? I know that just sounds horrible. But the reality is, is that there is no salvation, there is no relationship with Christ, and there is no fellowship with other believers through Christ and through his spirit without the blood of Christ being shed for us and each one of us participating in it. There is not a single one of us who are good enough to have a relationship with God. There's not a single one of us, no matter how right we live, that we don't blow it also. There's not a single one of us that cannot be thankful this morning for the blood of Christ that is shed for us. And this is one reason why we take communion, to remember thanksgiving. Every week when we come together to take communion, we remember to be thankful. It is one reason why Paul could so confidently advise us to be thankful no matter what, because nothing can take away our union with Christ. Nothing we do Nothing somebody else does can take away our union with Christ. What does he say in 1 Thessalonians 5.18? Paul writes this, be thankful in all circumstances. Not some, not maybe, but be thankful in all circumstances. This is what God wants from you in your life in union with Christ Jesus, is to always be thankful in all circumstances. So today, after we get done taking communion... And as we're all up front, whether we're sitting here in these front pews or standing back here in a circle, we're going to give you an opportunity to share verbally what you are thankful for this morning. Appropriate not only for communion but appropriate for this particular week. So some of you might want to be thinking about what is it that I am thankful for this morning as I come to the communion table. So Two ingredients that we've looked at so far, fellowship and thanksgiving. The third one that we want to just take note of that will help us frame our minds for communion today is that communion is filled with anticipation, anticipation, looking forward to something. We are always reminded that the kingdom of God is coming and that Jesus waits just like we do for that Coming kingdom. Let's take a look at two verses, 16 and 18. And see what Jesus says and what we are reminded of this morning. Jesus tells them, for I tell you, and this, this is phenomenal. I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. He says, again, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. We have actually a privilege that we get to do every single week that Jesus himself is waiting for. (laughs) He is anticipating the return of the kingdom of God when all things are made right, when Jesus comes back here again, and we will be able to take the bread and the cup together with Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples, and we are reminded of this this morning, that he will not eat the bread or take the cup until he does it with us someday. Boy, what? What a phenomenal day that's going to be. Do you look forward to that? Do you anticipate that? Do you have anticipation for the coming kingdom? It's important that we have that mindset, because you see, this life is not the end. This is not all there is. There's more to come. Do you remember the next to the last verse in the Bible? Some of you are quickly looking to the back. What's what's the next to the last verse in the book of Revelation? He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, of course this is Jesus, I am coming soon. Amen. Then uh, the writer of Revelation, John, writes, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Is that the prayer of our heart today? That today could be the day. Come, Lord Jesus. Yesterday, we had a phenomenal uh, rehearsal with your praise team. I want you to know they worked really hard for this. They not only practiced yesterday, but they came early. Some of them as early as 9 o'clock today. We had a big tech team back there. It took a lot of work, a lot of coordination for everybody to get together and all the microphones and things. But I was thankful that I had the opportunity to spend a couple hours yesterday with Brett and again this morning. Brett is the... Fellow back there, some of you don't know him. His name is Brett Angel. He's a new tech guy. Yay, Brett! Yeah, we're excited for you. But Brett told me yesterday, and he didn't know this when he was telling me. We, I didn't like give him a clue as to what we were talking about today. But he just on his own. We were out in the parking lot, and it was raining. It was cold. I ducked in the car because you know I didn't want to get wet. And he, and Brett is he's so excited. He really is. He's so excited. He's standing outside in the parking lot, getting soaking wet. And, and, you know, I mean, if a guy wants to talk to you and he's getting wet and he ain't getting in the car, I don't know about you, but I leave the door open and I listen to what he has to say. And you know what Brett had to say to me yesterday? I think it could be any day. I am so excited. Could it be today? Do we live our life With that degree of anticipation, that we say today could be the day, come Lord Jesus, still come. Each day could be the day. So we not only look forward with anticipation, but fourthly, we also communion. We we are told is filled with remembrance. Remembrance. Verse nineteen, back half. Jesus says, "This is my body." given for you, do this in remembrance of me. Again, I want you to just kind of get the picture. The bread has been broken. Everybody has a piece of the bread in their hand, just like we do as we come here to this table. And he says, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So when we take communion, we do it in remembrance. We We remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. There should never be any confusion over the significance of the bread and the cup because Jesus said to us, do this in remembrance. We remember Jesus coming and dying in the flesh. We remember his death on the cross. We remember this most horrible execution that the Romans could dish out that he took. Why? So that our penalty for our sin No matter how grievous it might be, we'd be fully paid up. No matter how bad we mess up, this remembering should never be apart from authentic Christianity. We never forget. We never stop proclaiming what Jesus did for us. It never gets old. No matter how many times you take communion, it never gets old. We never stop proclaiming. Paul again writes to the Corinthians in chapter 11, verse 26, for whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's what we do. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back, until we remember. You see, there will be a time, there will come a time when we no longer proclaim. Do you see it there in this verse? Until he comes. So if you stop proclaiming, And remembering through communion, you need to be asking yourself, do I think that Jesus has already come again? Because if you don't think that, then you should be here at the communion table as often as you can, fellowshipping, thanking, anticipating, and remembering. And then finally, number five, when we come to the communion table, the fifth ingredient that we remember is that communion is always filled with promise. Communion is filled with promise. In verse 20, Jesus says that this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So it's always important for us to never forget that there is a new deal. Some of us forget that there is a new deal. Because Jesus here is talking about that new deal. He talks about it. He describes it as the new covenant So what we have to understand is if there's a new covenant, there must have been an old covenant, right? And what is the old covenant? The old covenant is what we read about in the Old Testament, the law keeping, keeping the rules, living a righteous life. But I want you to know as important as it is for us to live as rightly as we can, we do that out of thanksgiving to God, not because we have to to get to God. Do you understand the difference? There is a new deal. There is a new covenant. Our righteousness, no matter how righteous we are, we're told, is as filthy, dirty rags compared to the righteousness of Christ that comes from Jesus. That he is now, and we see it in the communion elements, that he is now the mediator of this new covenant covenant of this new deal let me read this in hebrews hebrews is all about this you want to have just a glory fest this afternoon Take some time it takes about 30 minutes and just read through hebrews (laughs) but here's the crux of it in hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 that is why he jesus is the one who mediates a new covenant between god and the people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance that God has promised them. One thing about God and his promises, he's a promise keeper. He keeps his promises. And what is a promise? That those who are called, that's Christ followers, receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. So if nothing else, we can be thankful. You say, boy, I don't know what to be thankful for today. Boy, don't you have problems. (laughs) But if nothing else, you should be able to be thankful for the eternal inheritance that you are about to receive, that God has promised. Two words that just blow my mind. First of all, eternal. That means never ending forever (laughs) An inheritance, something that we didn't earn, something that is given to us, something that is provided as a gift from God. And communion reminds us of that new promise, that new deal, that new covenant. What about you this morning? Are you excited to take part in this communion service?